What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 280 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is the Hot Tags edition of the week, where I'm going to be breaking down some of the current events, rumors, news, gossip, and whatever the hell else is going on in the world of professional wrestling from the past couple of days that I feel like talking about. So how y'all doing today? Drop those comments below, tell me what you think about all the different kind of topics that we are talking about today, and we're going to start things off with news that happened many, many days ago, but... As you can tell from the YouTube channel's layout, I wanted to take a little bit of a break, so I knocked out my main event last week a little bit earlier than normal, and of course, we only do the hot tags once, so there's a little bit of carryover, but a couple days ago, Simon Gotch was released from WWE, and I know that I had caught some flack here and there from particularly Wego, kind of busting my chops a little bit about it, but... I had been saying for the longest time, Tom and Gotch was on that shit list. He was going to be released. There you go. Proof is in the pudding, which I guess should be an Ajax joke based off of that kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, Simon Gotch had been on that watch list to me for many months now. Ever since he had that fight with Sankara backstage, they have never utilized him in any fashion other than as the go-to jobber. Now, sometimes he wasn't the absolute first person eliminated and everything, but more often than not, he was. And even if he wasn't the absolute first person, he tended to be second, third, fourth, very early on, nonetheless. Look at his position in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He was, if I remember correctly, the third person eliminated after it was um, Primo, I think, was first. And then Kalisto, and then Sankara, or no, and then Sankara, and then uh, Simon Gotch. And lo and behold, you know, pretty much the next day or so, he is released from the company. And he has not said exactly what's been going on yet, but he has said that he is going to be clarifying some issues down the line. From what we have heard in dirt sheets and just news reports and different things like that, his mouth apparently got him in trouble, so to speak and that he kind of rubbed people the wrong way, and they just, nobody really took to him, and there weren't many people standing up for him, and different things like that. So, maybe he's somebody who, even though that other Sin Cara had gotten into fights before, maybe the reason why I never saw Sin Cara get punished is because it was Simon Gotch's fault. I originally thought that this was going to be a scenario where Sin Cara would have gotten released back in the day, and that Simon Gotch was probably just another guy that you know, kind of got into the way of uh, of Sankara a little bit, but seems more like the opposite now. I mean, Simon Gotch is the one who gets punished for months afterward. Sankara, he hasn't been doing jack shit, but he has not been adamantly put out there as a jobber the same way that Simon Gotch has. So I'm curious to see where this goes when it comes to Aiden English, too, because Aiden English no longer has another vaudevillain. Does he enlist another one? Does he start another tag team with somebody else? Now, I'm recording this after Monday Night Raw, and we know, at least unless they change things up, who is going from SmackDown to Raw, and it's fucking half the roster. I don't know what the hell they're doing here. Which, if you're looking forward to our opinions about the Superstar Shake-Up, you're going to have to wait a little bit. I'm holding off on giving my opinions too much about that because I want to know what happens with SmackDown. But if you want a real quick rundown, I'm nervous as all hell because it doesn't make any sense that both mid-card champions are on Raw 
and it doesn't make sense that the WWE champion is being uh, having a match at a Raw exclusive event, and yeah, so on and so forth. But basically, just put it out there as I'm nervous and I'm very curious how they fix the problems that they created tonight. But one of those is Aiden English. I thought that Aiden English was going to be moving over to Raw just to kind of maybe switch up the undercard a little bit because they could throw out an Aiden English on Raw and he's going to feel a little bit different and then maybe put a Curtis Axel on SmackDown. They could still put Curtis Axel on SmackDown because Kurt Hawkins just switched over, which that to me is kind of a shock because Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are really tight. You would have thought that they would have kept those two together. But then again, you would have thought that they would have kept Dean Ambrose and Renee Young together, and that's a whole other story. But uh, Aiden English is a guy, I'm very curious to see what they do with him, because he doesn't seem like he really has that much going for him. I like the guy, and I don't think that he's somebody who that they should just sort of release or something, but he's not really like a main event caliber star or something. He doesn't have a finisher of his own that stands out. He doesn't have a look that really is something bankable. He's fine on the mic, but he's not anything special with there either. You know, nothing's really going for him all that much. So what do they do? Do they just keep him as a jobber? And that sucks for him. Or do they maybe move him over to a different thing? Actually, you know, let me double check right now. I wonder if he can compete on 205 Live. I don't think he can, but he is kind of small enough that he might be able to. He is 215 pounds. So no, 10 pounds over the limit for that. So that's out of the uh, possibilities. But I don't know, maybe if SmackDown becomes a wasteland at that point, well, the Ascension, I'll probably get a push at that point, but maybe somebody like Aiden English default comes uh, up on the, the ranks and he kind of becomes like, yeah, secondary mid-card type of guy or something, but I don't really have a whole lot of faith about it right now. And I kind of liked Simon Gotch, and I kind of liked the Vaudevillains, so I'm not happy about the release. But at the same time, it's not the end of the world. It's not like they released, say, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler, like the people that I really, really like. So all I'm going to say is I told you so. I told you so. And speaking of that, I had TJ Perkins written down on my turn alert thing at the beginning of the year. He turned heel. So that was another one that people were like, what? TJ Perkins? He ain't turning heel. Ah, he did. Gotcha ass. So uh, let's talk about another topic here. Kofi Kingston was injured on Raw last week. That's why we didn't see him on Raw this week. There is no real indication of how long he's going to be out. But I think that this might play a little bit into the Superstar shakeup because they could kind of move the New Day over to SmackDown and uh, kind of wait a little bit to get them into like a solid feud, because Backlash does not show up as quickly as Payback does. Then again, Payback has the WWE Championship being defended on it, so it seems like this whole Raw exclusive thing is probably out the window. But when it comes to the New Day... There's been a lot of speculation that they would go over to SmackDown. Of course, we also had heard that Roman Reigns would go over to SmackDown. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. And we heard that AJ Styles would go over to Raw, and that didn't happen tonight. So maybe they don't, because Enzo and Cass, I still think, are a possibility for that. 
Again, we'll talk about the superstar shakeup a little bit later, Bowen, but as far as Kofi Kingston's injury, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal because they do have Xavier Woods, they do have Big E, and they're not the tag team champions right now. Nor are they actually even number one contenders for that, unless they go over to SmackDown and immediately become number one contenders to the Usos. But even if that's still the case, Kofi Kingston doesn't have to wrestle. And if he gets his surgery or whatever he needs this week, and he takes two, three weeks off, whatever the case may be, if he's able to at least walk down to the ramp and stuff, they can still utilize him on SmackDown or Raw if he still stays on there. And they can keep a feud going with the New Day and whoever they end up feuding with. The Revival, the Usos, Ascension, whoever. And it's not going to be the biggest deal in the world. So fret not, I would say. Uh, let's move on to Jonathan Coachman has said that he is not going to be covering WWE for ESPN anymore because he just doesn't have the time for it. And some speculation has been that he doesn't like the negativity that comes along with it because a lot of WWE fans are very, very negative, myself included at times. I'll fully admit that. But you know what? If that's the case, grow a pair. You know? You got to take a little bit of criticism. And if you f- know full well from having been in WWE before, how the fans are stupid as hell sometimes, then you can just brush it off, you know? But uh, it might just be a matter of other responsibilities coming his way, and WWE is a little bit lower on the totem pole than other things, but either way, this sucks for WWE, because ESPN covering them might not have been something that kind of, you know, gave them half a million subscribers to the network, but it sure as hell gave them more publicity. And a little bit more legitimacy, too. You gotta imagine, WWE wants to get every possible market out there that they possibly can when it comes to the sports side, the entertainment side, the pop culture, even the music side of things at times. So losing something like ESPN, nothing but a bad thing for WWE. I don't know if that's gonna be a scenario where maybe they try to get somebody else to cover it instead of Jonathan Coachman but I would assume that he probably was the one that kind of shepherded that whole thing because he had been a part of it before, probably wanted to kind of uh, bring back some old memories and stuff like that. But we know that a lot of people from the sports side do not really value WWE, so I wouldn't be shocked at all if this just means no more ESPN coverage, at least for a little bit, because you know here and there they're going to be covering them. You know, like Brock Lesnar does something, which will be, what, three three times a year now? Thrice, maybe? Uh, maybe if we're lucky, four times. I don't know. Brock Lesnar barely shows up, though. But if he's going to be doing something, he is a big enough star with a lot of crossover potential when it comes to the MMA audience and stuff. So ESPN will probably be covering that. But you're not going to be able to see, you know, Roman Reigns showing up and just cutting an interview or, you know, the, the typical kind of stuff that they've been doing. Sucks for WWE, so if they really got anything positive out of that, they should look for any alternatives that they possibly can to come out there and kind of fill the void a little bit. So speaking of filling a void, let's talk about uh, segueing that into Ric Flair being thrown out of a bar for calling a bartender a fat ass. (laughs) Apparently, he said, uh, don't give me shit and go lose some weight to some kind of a bartender which context is always key to a lot of these kind of things. Maybe the bartender was a total dick, but then again, maybe Ric Flair was being a dick because Ric Flair has that tendency to kind of do that kind of stuff. And you know what? If it was the bartender's fault, 
then who cares? He shouldn't have been thrown out of the bar. The bartender should have, uh, you know, gotten fired for whatever he was doing or something. But I'm leaning more towards it's probably Ric Flair being a dick. And the thing that bugs me about that, if that is true, I don't understand why Ric Flair gets this immunity card. A lot of people get in trouble for a lot less stuff. And even though this isn't a huge deal, it's not like he, uh, I don't know, was he got into a car accident and fled the scene or something like that. But any negative publicity that comes to WWE's way, they tend to punish whoever it is. Ric Flair, everything he does, he he just kind of gets like, oh, that Rick. And that's not fair. I mean, he is a legend and he has paid his dues in a lot of different ways, but I'm sure he was even worse back in the day. So I don't know. I kind of just don't like the idea that maybe people would look at this and just kind of pat him on the back and be like, yeah, you can do that. You, any celebrity for that matter. Anytime a celebrity acts like a dick to somebody. And of course, as I mentioned before, context, I don't know if this is the bartender's fault or not, but more often than not, the celebrities are being dicks. And that's not right. You know, just because you're rich and famous or in Ric Flair's case, famous, he might not be rich. I don't know. You don't have this entitlement to act like you're better than other people. And a bartender could have been just a normal guy doing his job and, you know, no problems whatsoever. But Ric Flair could have been, you know, requesting special treatment or trying to act like he should have been served before anybody else or whatever. Uh, I, the only story I've been hearing is that the bartender tried to give him the same drink out of the same glass or something like that. So I'm not bothering to do a whole bunch of extra research about this. I really don't care all that much. It's just one of those gossipy stories. I want to get your opinions about this. It can kind of translate it into another little topic, which isn't wrestling specific, but what do you all think about the way celebrities treat other people? Is that something where maybe you have like a story of that you went to, uh, you know what you went to a restaurant one day and you saw a celebrity being treated special or maybe, uh, you, you asked somebody for an autograph in a perfectly valued, uh, scenario, not something that was weird. You know, you didn't un- interrupt them in the middle of hanging out with their kids at daycare or something like that. But maybe, you know, you are at a wrestling event and it's like, Hey, can I have your autograph? And they're like, fuck off little kid or something like that. I don't know. I, I want to hear some stories about whatever you guys have. I have nothing of anything that like a celebrity was trying to act like a douche. So I can't really contribute, but there are plenty and plenty and plenty of stories out there of people that are saying that like celebrities don't tip or that they, you know, just act like the world revolves around them and it's a different story and whatever like that. So should Ric Flair be just kind of like chuckled at or should there be some kind of like an intervention thing or something? Because he seems to have his alcohol problems here and there. And we just brought... Jim Ross back into the company after they fired him because of the Ric Flair thing. So what, are they going to fire him now again because Ric Flair is getting drunk and yelling at a bartender? I don't know. Uh, another gossipy kind of thing. Sort of. Not really. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how you classify gossip. But Forbes put out their estimates for the highest paid WWE wrestlers in 2016 based off of their base salary and some other kind of numbers, you know, reflecting based off of 2015's numbers and different things like that. Boring kind of topic. I know I wouldn't be sitting there crunching the numbers and doing all that kind of shit, but I thought it was kind of interesting to see the breakdown because if this is true, 
Some of it makes sense. Some of it's a little bit surprising here. Number one was Brock Lesnar at $12 million. Now, for perspective of that, number 10 was Randy Orton at $1.9 million. And most of them around here are around the 2 and $3 million mark. So, for Randy Orton, at this point, he is a legend. He's a veteran. Many more world championships than anybody other than Cena and uh, Triple H at this point. Or, did Triple H beat him? Maybe Triple H, yeah. And uh, Ric Flair, of course. But somebody like him makes $10 million less than Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar better work his fucking ass off. That's what pisses me off about that kind of thing. John Cena's number two at $8 million. Triple H is at $3.8 million. Uh, number four is Roman Reigns at 3.5, which that goes to show you a little bit there. Dean Ambrose is at 2.7 million, which if Dean Ambrose is the fifth highest, I don't know. I kind of think maybe he should be bumped down a little bit because Dean Ambrose is a workhorse in a lot of different ways with like the house shows and stuff. So that in that regard, I think that he deserves a lot, a lot of money. But also, there's probably a lot of other guys that work the same amount of shows. And they're not making even, you know, $1.5 million. So, I don't know, kind of, um, it's kind of an argument there. Because do you reward Dean Ambrose for all of his appearances? And you don't do the same thing for the other people? Or do you kind of reprimand him a little bit for being lackadaisical? Because really, Dean Ambrose's character... And his motivation doesn't seem to have changed ever since he won that world title. He basically seems like he's phoning it in sometimes. Maybe kind of bump him off that list a little bit. It's cool to see that AJ Styles is at number six. Shane McMahon is at number seven, which that to me is kind of shocking. He made a little bit more than The Undertaker, who was at two million. Shane's 2.2. Seth Rollins is at two million. And maybe I can understand that because of all the time that he spent out. Same kind of thing with Randy Orton a little bit, because he spent... A good portion of the year injured. I'm really curious to see who would have been the bottom of the list, though, more than anything. Who is, like, making the least amount of money in WWE as far as the in-ring talent and stuff goes? Because I'm sure it's, like, you know, the grips and stuff like that. But, like, you know, is this going to be one of those things where it's, like, Bronson Matthews or something is the lowest? I don't know. Very curious about that, though. Normally, I also like to mention anything on the WWE Network that made its premiere before I do the hot tags, because if I get a chance to check it out, tell you guys whether or not you need to watch it, or you should give it a chance, or whatever. And this week was Ride Along Highway to Hollywood with The uh, the Miz. I don't know why I'm botching there. The Miz and Maurice, as well as on the other other car, they had Alexa Bliss and Carmella. And honestly, you guys can skip this one. Nothing really was all that funny or all that great about it. Uh, Miz and Marie seemed like a cute enough couple. Seems like they get along rather well, which, you know what? Seems like that's the case just based off the fact that they've been together for that long. And then Alexa Bliss is cute because she's always cute. And Carmella is cute. Because she's always cute, so no real surprises there and all that. Uh, if you like dogs, dogs pop up for a little bit here and there. A couple of tiny dogs and a couple of medium-sized sort of dogs. But really, you guys can skip it. It was not a funny episode. Next week looks like it might be a little bit funnier. It's TJ Perkins. Or actually, I don't know if they said it was next week or not. But the next edition is TJ Perkins and Rich Swan in one car. 
and the other one is Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick. So, I don't know, maybe that's going to be a little bit more fun or whatever, but this one, uh, you know, watch it if you got a little bit of spare time, you want to put something on in the background, don't go out of your way. So, another topic we got to talk about here that we talk about all the fucking time, because every goddamn week there's something about it, is Alberto Del Rio, again. Uh, He went on a drunken Twitter rant, or a Periscope rant, or whatever, and among all the other things, he was doing the whole, I'm never going to go back to WWE, and I know it was you who leaked it, and fuck the people that don't like me and Paige being together. Typical, like, lashing out teenager type of stuff, you know, we've talked about this all in the past and whatever like that, but the big important thing was he specifically mentioned calling Triple H a big-nosed pussy. We heard a lot of things before that Vince McMahon likes Del Rio, and that Del Rio kind of values what Vince McMahon brings to the table, but it must be Triple H and Del Rio that don't get along. And you know what? (laughs) If that's the case, I like Triple H all that much better now, because that means Triple H sees things the same way that I do. Del Rio was never as good as he thinks that he is, or as much as they put into him, and they invested so much into Del Rio. And you know what? He didn't give them all that much of the return. I still think the accusations that he thinks that somebody in WWE released all of Paige's sex tape stuff is ridiculous, because I highly doubt anybody in that company would be stupid enough to make that kind of a mistake. But, if they did, they do deserve to get fired. And I highly, highly, highly doubt that it was Triple H that did it, if that's what he's insinuating. Because Triple H, in particular, would set a horrible example for being leadership in the company and all that other kind of stuff. But just the idea that Del Rio could get drunk and start periscoping and saying that they're all a bunch of pussies and all that other kind of stuff. You know what? Even if he begs, if I were WWE, I'd be like, no, you know what? You don't deserve to come back to this company. And maybe they should think about some of these people being off their list of the people that are responsible as far as, like, going to rehab and different things like that. Because, you know, you burn your bridges, and he said he doesn't care about burning bridges anymore. Then, you know what, you gotta figure out another way to get around that fucking crevice. Or crevasse. Do you say crevice or crevasse? I say crevice. Leave your comments below. Tell me what you say. Even if it's just big old fucking crack. (laughs) So the last thing to talk about here, this is another topic that we've been talking about for the past couple of days on the Mega Maniacs group, which is Mauro Ranallo's situation. And more and more, it seems like he's not coming back. I had suggested before that maybe we would see Corey Graves move over to SmackDown in place of JBL. We didn't see it tonight on Raw. And as far as I know, tomorrow night on SmackDown is not going to be something where you can switch people from Raw and SmackDown and kind of just, you know, do like a full-on trade. Because tonight, it was only people from SmackDown going over to Raw. I'm assuming tomorrow night, it's just kind of, hey, look at that. Somebody from Raw is on SmackDown now. And that they're not going to be like, and we're also going to trade this person over or anything like that. That was really the ace in the hole, as far as I was concerned. If they would have switched those two up, then I would have thought that Maranala would stick around. But now, more and more, the ba- uh, the way that he's been acting on Twitter, the way that he removed references to WWE things, and all the evidence is pointing to 
Mario Ronaldo was done. So I'm not as upset about it as a lot of other people are. I do not think that Mario Ronaldo is as amazing as some people do, but I do kind of like his energy, and I really kind of wish that they would have figured out some way to solve this issue. Because first off, if JBL is bullying somebody, it's no, uh, no surprise. He's had many accusations in the past about being a bully, and that sucks. And that's something that WWE should nip in the bud and should have nipped in the bud years and years and years ago, decades ago at this point. So that is not a good thing for WWE as far as PR or just morale or anything like that. And I still kind of think that maybe a little bit of this is Mar Ronaldo just not having balls, kind of. <laughs> I don't want to say it like that. That sounds a little bit too mean. Just uh, sometimes you got to grow thicker skin, maybe. But again, I don't know the full situation. I'm not backstage. I'm not, I don't know what is going on with maybe he is really, really picking on Mar Ronaldo. And at that point, JBL should be fucking fired. And if he's not really picking on him and it's just that Ronaldo has too sensitive skin and he can't put up with getting his balls busted a little bit, then Mar Ronaldo needs to suck it the fuck up. You know, it's sort of all hearsay and it's all conjecture and you can kind of make your opinions based off of whatever evidence you got, but I still think that this is being handled in a wrong way in either scenario, because JBL doesn't seem to be leaving the company, and Marwanalo seems like he is, but they could have figured out a way to keep things going. Again, you move Corey Graves and JBL to different things, JBL and Marwanalo don't have to see each other anymore. Corey Graves is more than capable of taking JBL's spot on SmackDown. And he's already there when it comes to 205 Live. So you're not even making him travel an extra day and kind of fucking over Corey Graves. And we know that JBL and Michael Cole get along. We know that the two of them pick on Byron Saxton. As far as we know, Byron Saxton isn't getting too bullied or anything like that. And then another alternative, I would have just said, put Marvin Allah on NXT. Nigel McGuinness is awful. Percy Watson, I liked the guy back when he was an actual wrestler. He is terrible. Those two and David Otunga are the three worst commentators that they've got in the company right now. And I don't even like Byron Saxton. So that's saying quite a bit. But I still think that the Corey Graves move would have made a lot of sense because we know that Corey and Tom Phillips work really well together. They've done it in NXT, and Tom Phillips on NXT is kind of like, uh, I don't want to say that he's a little bit boring, because I like Tom Phillips a lot, I but he is kind of a Michael Cole, where he doesn't have a ton of energy to him, and Nigel McGuinness doesn't either, and neither does Percy Watson, but if you put Mara Ronaldo in there, he could liven that up quite a bit. Mara Ronaldo in NXT could have been great. You know, he works a couple of times. He doesn't have to stop doing his other stuff. He's got that Showtime stuff. He's got his podcast, whatever. That'd be a great way to keep Marvin Allo around and to kind of also stop any kind of a shitstorm from coming as far as like PR goes. But maybe Marvin Allo's lost a little bit of respect in Vince McMahon's eyes and he's kind of just like, fuck it, let him go. Maybe Marvin Allo purposely is just like, no, you know what? If you're not going to fire JBL, then I'm fucking gone because I can't work for a company that is okay with that guy doing that kind of stuff. We don't really know. 
And I don't think we're going to know until September. Because the response from WWE about this has been, well, Maranalo is still under contract until August. That's not a good sign. Usually whenever there's no problem, it's like, no, there is no problem. Or they just don't say anything at all, and they let the dirt sheets kind of stir the pot, and then eventually the news comes out that it was all bullshit. Saying something like he's still under contract until August means we're going to not have him on TV, and in August we're going to announce his release. So after August, then we'll probably hear some kind of shoot interviews and well, here are some more backstage talk that it gets released that whatever had happened, maybe it's going to have some kind of effects in the next couple of months leading up to August. And then we'll look back and we'll go like, oh, man, in retrospect, it makes sense that they did this. It makes sense that they did that. But I'm starting to think on top of that now, maybe the reason why Tom Phillips, uh, Phillips was moved over to SmackDown wasn't to have him trained a little bit or to kind of offset how David Otunga sucks. Maybe it was just to put another person in between Marvinalo and JBL. Maybe it was like, hey, let's throw Tom Phillips into the lion's den a little bit, and then JBL won't be able to pick on just Maro. He'll pick on Tom and Maro, maybe a little bit of Otunga, that kind of a thing. Um, Yeah, that's a tough situation to call, but from my perspective of what little that we do know, I still think WWE is making a couple mistakes here. As much as I'm not going to be heartbroken over Marwanalo leaving, I think that there's other ways that they could have kept him in there. And if they don't figure out a way to do that, they either don't value him enough to figure out how to keep him, or he is just adamant that he's not going to. You know. But that's the hot tags of the week. As far as Monday night goes, who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of days. And if it's something immensely important, then we'll do something extra. But the next time that you guys should be hearing my voice is the Ask Him and the Rest Hold content. Then after that, either on Wednesday or on Friday, we're going to be doing our full recap, review, breakdown, and analysis of the Superstar Shake-Up. All the trades from Raw and from SmackDown are going to be broken down there. That's why we're not talking about it tonight on the Hot Tags. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button as well. Leave your comments below and tell me what you think about these different subjects. And uh, I will see you next time, everybody. This has been another Smart Out moment, and I am being counted out. Ah!